joining us. And thank you again, Chelsea, for um, inviting me um, to, to be on here. And um, it's good to see all of you. I, before, I was talk, before you all joined, I was talking to Chelsea about how um, it's so important that coaches engage in these types of conversations because we're, there's so much that you all have to, have to do with regards to the technical and the tactical aspect of the game. And this is probably the first time in your career where you've been forced to sit down and take some time for yourself, where you don't have any obligations, like you, you, you don't have any choice but to sit down and really just, just think about you and get to know you again and get to understand, you know, why you do what you do and to just kind of reevaluate where you are in life. And sometimes we need those things to happen. Um, and God saw fit that for most of the world, we were just, we go at such a fast pace and we, um, we just inundate ourselves with work and going and doing and being. And sometimes we'll hit a brick wall and we don't know we've hit a big brick wall until we're getting up off the floor. And so for a lot of us, um, I know for myself included, yes, there have been a lot of tragedies and a lot of people have suffered um, during this pandemic, but on the other side, that it's been a, a breath of kind of fresh air and a really uh, like a reset um, with regard to perspective and, and everything that we're going through. So I'm grateful for this conversation um, and I'm grateful for each of you being here. Uh, I have, I don't coach basketball anymore. I'm like a, a, I guess a coach to coaches, but I was in your, in your position. I coached for five years as a head coach. I never had the privilege of being an assistant coach, not for trying. It's just I didn't get it, you know, I could never get a job. So the first head coaching job I applied for, I got it, and I just stayed in that lane. Um, so I understand the challenges. I coached at the JUCO level where I had to teach classes and drive buses and wash clothes and set up the gym and do all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I coached at the D2, D1 level and the D2 level, and I've had some successes and I've had some failures. I've learned a whole lot more from my failures than I did from my successes. And I just want to kind of share, um, share that with you today and um, I listened yesterday, and yesterday was so powerful. I don't even remember who was who was uh, speaking yesterday, but it was so powerful. And it had me a little bit intimidated because I was like, uh, I don't know how to exegete a text, okay? So I don't know that. Um, I'm not a, a pastor, but I am a follower of Christ. And I can tell you that whenever I have um, whenever I have a question or I'm looking for something in the Bible, I go to Google. Um, I paraphrase, what does the Bible say about this? Give me the scripture, because I can't go to the Bible and pinpoint it, and I don't want to waste no time. So I just, you know, I'm a fan of Google. Send me to the scripture, and here we go. Uh, but when we talk about um, this thing of, of leadership, I'm extremely, um, I, it, it's so important, it's such an important role because of the influence and the impact that we have on not just young people, but everybody that is in our circle. That means our staff, our, um, our colleagues, administrators, all of that. And so, so many times I've seen this, and I'm sure you've seen this, where people take on these leadership roles, not really fully understanding the totality of what comes with it, the responsibility of what comes with it, the accountability that's needed um, in, this, in this space, not just from outside, but from inside. And I think that, like John Maxwell says, leadership is influenced bottom line, but you can't lead others if you don't have, if you don't know who you are, if you don't have a good relationship with you, if you don't know who you are, what you stand for, what your non-negotiables are, it's not just as a coach, but as a person first, because the truth be told, if you get fired tomorrow, they're going to be like Diddy, can't stop, won't stop, the train going to keep moving, they're going to get somebody else in your space. So you have to understand and not ever lose sight of the fact that before you're a coach, you're a person. 
and your identity should not come from what it is that you do. It should not ever come up, come from a position that you hold, but your identity should come from, and it always comes from who you are in Christ, who, who God says that you are. And so um, I think that when we are, when we get back to whatever you guys call normal, when you get back to your, you know, to your jobs and, you know, you're physically there, don't lose sight of, of that. Um, I think that, you know, in terms of being a servant leadership, servant leader, you follow the, uh, you follow the example that Jesus Christ uh, laid for us. He knew that he was on assignment. He knew that he was on assignment. And so he did not waver from that. He understood why he came. He understood why he was there. And so I challenge you to ask yourself, why are you coaching? Why are you coaching? Where are you coaching? There are a lot of coaches who aspire. They are high school. Oh, I want to be a college coach. Or, you know, on a certain level in college, I want to be at a higher level. But that may not be your assignment. That may not be your assignment. And the thing about it is we don't, all, we don't get to pick our assignment. And so that's why it's so important, so very important that you have a strong sense of identity and who God called you to be. Because as an athlete, many of you played the sport that you coach now. And if you were like me, transitioning out of becoming an athlete and trying to find my space in the world, not being a basketball player anymore, I struggled because everything about me was tied into me being an athlete. And I struggled so much mentally, emotionally, everything, just trying to find my place in the world, not being an athlete. It's the same with coaching. A lot of us get caught up in the position. We get caught up in the platform. We get caught up in the title. We get caught up in the attention. And for some, we get caught up in the money. And once those things are, are no longer available, once we don't have that anymore, if it's taken away by no fault of our own or whatever the case may be, now we struggle. Now we're struggling because we don't know who we are. Or when we're in those positions, because we, are, we do have our identities tied into those positions, those things, those platforms, we're trying so, we got a death grip on it. Like we're trying so hard to hold on to it. Everything is about, I can't lose my position. I can't lose my job. I don't want to lose. And so it affects how you lead. It affects how you, the relationships that you have with your players. It affects the relationships that you have with your spouses, significant others, all of that, because you have the wrong, um, you have the wrong perspective. So I, um, I was telling Chelsea, I, I'm not really good at scripting out things. I kind of like to shoot from the hip. I just let God speak through me. Um, so I don't have like three points to this or five points to that. I'm just going to talk. Right. Okay. So um, what I think I want to first start about, start off with what servant leadership is not, or what I believe servant leadership is not. We hear the word service and it means to give. It means to, you know, to, to help others. Um, but we can do that to the detriment of ourselves sometimes. So servant leadership should never put you in a position where you're serving to the detriment of yourself, where you're compromising who you are, your values, where you're compromising your own physical and mental and emotional health. You should not, um, it should not cause you to compromise your family. You shouldn't have to lose your family or lose, um, quality relationships with your with your kids or whatever the case may be because of the work that you're doing because you want to you know you want to put in 18 hours in a day at the job because you want to show them that you're working no it don't take all that uh, it don't take all that <laughs> like so servant leadership should never cause you to serve at the detriment of you know of others of yourself it should never cause you to serve um at the detriment where you're giving so much that you have nothing left 
for yourself. You have nothing left to give um, for your family. Serving leadership does it should not put you um, in a position where you're serving to where it, it compromises, um, you know, it compromises you spiritually and morally and ethically. Um, it should not, if, if you can't do your job unless you cross certain lines, then you, it's probably time for you to walk away. It's probably time for you to, you know, to find another job. So serving leadership should not put you in a position where you have to compromise who you are and your values and things like that. Servant leadership is not, um, should not put you in a position where you can't hold other people accountable, where you, you're serving so much and you know that they are um, doing something that they shouldn't be doing, but you don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to seem like, you know, you're challenging them or you're not a team player. So you don't say anything and you allow them to put themselves in a situation where it's going to hurt them and it's going to hurt the team and it's going to hurt you. So being a servant leader, you have to be willing to speak up when even when nobody else is willing to speak up and you have to be willing to say you know i would rather be in right standing with god i would rather be in right standing with myself and making this decision and lose that versus trying to hold on to that and not hold you you accountable and not hold myself accountable so serving leadership should not cause you uh to be in a position where you can't hold somebody um serve somebody accountable um, servant leadership should not put you in a position to where you have to downplay who you are and what you bring to the table. Um, I know that there are a lot of times I've, I've heard the conversations and, I, and these are the conversations that really, I think are funny to me. The ones where we have in private, it's like, oh, I never say this in public, but you know, here we go. Where you have to shrink and not, um, you can't be who you're supposed to be. Like you have to you, you can't bring everything that you bring to the table to the table. Like you can't work in your gift. You can't work in your ability because you don't want to overstep, not necessarily overstep boundaries, but you don't want to make somebody else feel uncomfortable or insecure. And there's a way to do that. Sometimes you can be the nicest person. You can be the most gifted person. You can be um, the most cooperative person. And somebody's still going to have an issue with you. Somebody's still going to have, going to find, uh, something that they don't like about you or that they don't agree with. So you have to be, you have to be firm in what you bring to the table and be confident in that and be willing to share that. Um, servant leadership should not have you um, in a position where, you know, it affects your, your attitude, you know, where you have to, in coaching, um, you know, this is a lot of clicks. It's a, it's a whole lot of, you know, little side groups and clicks and things like that. And if you're a if you work in this particular, uh, at this particular level, then they'll only associate with you if you work in this particular level. If you, at that, like, you know, it, it happens. And sometimes you, you find coaches who are, who are so, um, who want to be a part of that so bad. Well, they want to be in the industry. They want, they, they have the right intentions, but they feel like they have to be a part of that. Um, they have to be a part of those groups and it, it just changes their attitude and they mistreat people. I've seen it. I've heard the, you know, I've heard the stories. Like you get a, you get a part of this, you become a part of this, this click. And now your whole attitude changes. You're, you're mean to people. You're short to people. You don't want to share information. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to be, um, you don't want to help somebody else because you're in fear of losing your spot or your, your position. That's definitely not what servant leadership is. Um, what I believe at the core of servant leadership is wanting to help other people grow so that they can go and help other people grow. 
Like I want everybody on my team to be the best at what they do. I want, if I'm a head coach, I want my recruiting coordinator to be the Michael Jordan of recruiting. If I got a, I don't know football, but offensive coordinator, I need y'all to be the MJ. I need y'all to be the best at what you do. I want you to be so good that you have other opportunities coming at you. That's what it means to be a true leader, is empowering other people to maximize their full potential and giving them all the tools, giving them all the resources to be out and to go out and be effective. That's what I think the core of, of, of servant leadership is, is empowering other people to be the absolute best that they can be so that they can then go out and empower other people to be the best that, that they can be. And I think it all starts with, and I think I believe that it all starts with, you have to have a certain confidence in yourself and in who you are in your position that you're not worried about what somebody else brings to the table. Like I, I, I need everybody on my team to be five star because I'm five star. Like I need everybody on my team to be, you know, to be the best at what they do. Because if you, and that doesn't mean that you have it all together as a head coach. One of the things I think was, um, was key for me was I had never been a coach at the college level before. And my first opportunity was as a head coach. I was very honest. Um, I was very confident in the things that I brought to the table, but I was very honest about the things that I didn't do well. And so my goal was to go out and get people who could, who were better at, who were great at the things that I didn't do well and put them on my team and then allow them to work. I think that, so number one, you have to be confident as a leader in what you bring to the table. Confident doesn't mean arrogant. Confident doesn't mean you have to tell everybody what you're good at. It's not something that you have to wear on, you know, you don't have to print on a t-shirt. You don't have to post it every day on social media. You know, I'm the best. You know, I'm the greatest. Who is that? DJ Khaled. I'm the greatest. You don't have to do that. Just let your work show it. Just let your work show it. Um, ability. Just being confident in what you do. Knowing what you do. What are your strengths? What do you do well? We, many of um, many coaches, many of you, I'm sure, have been coaching for so long that everything is now on autopilot. You know how to do a scouting report. You know how to do. A, you know how to go out and evaluate a kid. You know how to do a budget. You know how to do all of these all of these routine things. But really, what is it that you're the absolute best at? What What is it that you're absolute greatest at? Um, and that takes some time just sitting back and really figuring out what that is. I'm great at problem solving. I'm, that's, that's, my, that's my thing. I'm a big picture thinker. I know how all the parts can move. I know how, you know, all the moving parts, who needs to go where. I'm great at that. I know what needs to be done. I'm just not into the details. I need somebody else to be good at the details to go and carry it out. Most coaches think they gotta be good at everything or they got to be great at everything, especially head coaches. Like if I'm, if I have a deficiency in this, that makes me less of a, less of a leader. And it's not recognizing where those deficiencies are is what makes you great. Knowing where your strong suit is, is what makes you great. And understanding where your deficiencies are is what makes you even greater. And be, again, being able to put those people in the right places, um, put those people who are good in those positions in those places and then allowing them to work. Um, the second thing is your character. 
who are you as a person? Not coach, not, you know, not assistant coach, not recruiting coordinator, not defensive coordinator, not, I don't know. That's probably the only uh, position I know for football, offense coordinator, defensive coordinator. <laughs> but whatever your position is, take that title away. Who are you at your core? What do you stand for? What are your values? Your personal values. Like, what, what are they? What, who, how's your heart? Are you in this for the right reason? Are you in it for the right reason? Most people say I'm a coach and I've talked to um, a lot of aspiring coaches. Those, a lot of my clients, coaches who are in transition, those who are aspiring. Like, why do you want to coach? Oh, I just love the game. Okay, what else? You know how many people love the game and sitting at home or love the game and working at Sonic or love the game and, you know, working at some other job? You got to do more than just love the game. You know, what is, what is your story? What makes you feel like you can come into this game, come into this industry, regardless of the sport, and make an impact? And understanding that it's not about you. Most coaches get into it because it's, this is what I want to do. I love it. I have a passion for it. I got a passion for like 17 things. Your passion for it shouldn't be what drives you. Your passion for it should make you be what, you know, should, should be what um, characterizes your work ethic. Your passion drives your work ethic. But your passion isn't why you are coaching. Your passion isn't why you're, why you're leading. What is your heart posture regarding the lives that you're going to impact? What is your true heart posture? Are you in it for the money? Are you in it for the platform? Are you in it for the recognition? Are you in it for the prestige? Are you really in it because you, you believe wholeheartedly that you can impact the lives of kids, the lives of young people? You can help them, help to develop them into young men and young women who are gonna go out into the world and make good decisions, who are gonna be quality people of good character and who are gonna in, in effect go out and make an impact in the, in the community wherever they, you know, in whatever area they choose to, to go into, whatever career field they choose to go into. Like, if that isn't, if you don't, if you can't say that this is my assignment, if you can't say that I'm here because I'm on assignment, you know, we're called to, to make, you know, go into the world and make disciples and all of those things. And that does not mean being in a church. That does not mean, you know, this, this is your ministry. This is your, this is your platform. So you're, you're making disciples and, 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 and helping to save people. You don't have to beat them over the head with the Bible, but you do have to be a living example of it. And again, that goes back to why you're doing what you're doing. Jesus knew why he came here. He came here to save, save us. He knew that in order to do that, he had to die. He didn't want to die. When he came down to it, he went in and gets him. He's like, look, if, if you don't mind, if, if you could, let this cup pass over me. I mean, like, for real, if there's any other way we can do this, I'm, I'm open to suggestions. However, if this is the only way we can go, I'm down. Because all I want to do is what you put me here to do. So if that isn't your, if, if that's not your reason for doing it, because there are some coaches who will tell you, I didn't want to coach. I didn't want to coach. I wasn't trying to coach. I didn't want to have to do, I don't even like other people's kids like that. I ain't trying to do that. But yet, here I am. 
because I'm on assignment and they understand that. You're on assignment. When you're talking about changing lives and impacting, it's just like being a teacher. Though That's like one of the most important jobs. My kids' teachers just did a drive-by. I can't even tell you how excited they were. My son was like, Mama, I cannot wait to go back to school. I'm like, buddy, me either. I promise you're going to have a perfect attendance. No doubt. You're going to have perfect attendance, buddy. Don't even worry about it. We got, don't even worry about it. Because that's how important this role is. That's how important this impact is that you're making on, on these kids. So check your heart posture. Number, the next thing is the relationships. The relationships that you build. Be intentional about, number one, you have to have a really good relationship with yourself. You have to have a really good relationship with yourself. That's how you think about you, how you talk to you, um, how you, how you handle tough situations like this. When you're going through trials, your kids are watching. If you have kids at home, they're watching. If you have players, they're watching. That's still being that example. So building those, building those relationships. Like, who do you know? And is the impact, if, is, the, uh, is the relationship, is it mutually beneficial? Are you only friends or are they only in your circle because they can help you get to whatever that next level is that you're trying to get to? Is that the only way you see them adding value to your life because they can help you in your career? Do you add any value to their life? Or are you always taking? So evaluating the relationships, having quality relationships, understand that quality, like relationships are the new currency. Like nothing happens without it. It's not, it, it used to be, it's not what you know, but who you know. Now it's, it's not what you know, but who knows you. It's not even who you know, it's who knows you. So understanding the relationships that, that you have and how important they are. Make sure that the people that are in your life aren't just yes people. Just always telling you what you want to hear. You cannot grow if you're not willing to be challenged. And just because somebody challenges you doesn't mean that y'all can't after, it, it doesn't have to be an argument. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to take offense to it. But having people challenge you know, your, your, your opinion about something or your thoughts on something, that's healthy. That's, that's giving you a new perspective and enabling you to grow. I know a lot of head coaches who don't want people on their, on their staff who are going to challenge them. You know, people in general who don't want to be challenged. I just want to be told that I'm good and I'm, I did a great job. But you did do a great job, sir. Like you did. So understanding that, like, evaluate your circle and see who, who's, who's challenging you and who's not. Is this, is this relationship adding value to my life? And am I adding value to this person's life? And if it's a no, then, you know, it's time to move on. People grow. Either you're growing or you're dying. And if you're a head coach, your program is only going to grow as much as you grow personally. I'm a firm believer in that. Um, knowledge. What do you know? How are you, how are you getting better at your craft? How are you getting better at your craft? There are a lot of these, um, zoom calls and a lot of these, uh, online workshops, which I believe is so great, but a lot of it is the same information. A lot, a lot of it is, you know, how to beat a two, three zone. Ain't but a couple ways you can beat a two, three zone. I mean, you can put a wrinkle in it. You go up, we're going to go down. I mean, but at the same time, 
at the end of the day. Look, I can't give y'all no football analogies because I don't know nothing about running no routes. I don't know none of that stuff, okay? But, I mean, when you think about it, it's all, it's all the same information. It's like you're regurgitating the same information. You may put a different twist on it. But what do you know about business? You know, managing a budget. What, what do you know about, you know, about those kinds of things, fundraising, if that's something that you have to do for your, for your sport? You know, like learn something in a totally, completely different industry. See how other people are doing things in business. See how other people are doing things in the tech space. See how other people are doing things, you know, in hospitality. That could help you in terms of learning how to, how to better, have better um, recruiting visits or, or building better relationships. Like, don't be afraid to learn something different. Because right now it's just passing the same information around. You hear from the same people talking about the same stuff. You can only hear so much about culture. I mean, it's not too much different. What kind of culture you want? What does it look like? You start from there and you build, you reverse engineer it. You know, I'm not saying that it's not good to, you know, to, to um, you know, to like uh, update the information. But at some point, you've got to step outside of, of what you know, outside of your comfort zone and learn something different and learn something new. Learn a new way of doing things. And I, I also believe that it's imperative that as a leader, that you're not afraid to go against the grain, that you're not afraid to stand up um, and say no when everybody else is saying yes or say yes when everybody else is saying no, because you absolutely believe that it is the right thing and the best thing to do for the situation. Now, I would advise you to weigh the consequences, but at the same time, you can't be afraid to, to stand. And that's what, that's what leadership, I believe, is about. Um, you cannot please everybody. You absolutely cannot please everybody. Um, and if you're an assistant coach and you aspire to be a head coach and if you've been like the recruiting coordinator and you the person that everybody likes and everybody want to be around and you cool, you move one seat over, ain't nobody going to like you because you got to make the hard decisions. You got to make the hard decisions that are in the best interest of the team. And you're not going to make some people, you know, there are going to be some people who are not, who are not happy with you. It just is what it is. And in tying all of that back into being a, a servant leader, if your job as a servant is to empower other people to be the best at their position, to be the best that they're, um, to be the best possible person that they can be, to be good at what they do so that they can go out and empower other people. If you know that that's what you are called to do, then you have to be willing to serve. You have to be willing to stand. You have to be willing to make the hard decisions. You have to be willing to say no when they want you to say yes. You have to be willing to go against the grade. You have to be that example. Because our kids, we talk about the, um, the transfer portal in basketball. I don't know what it looks like in football, but I know it's like ridiculous in basketball. And kids are, kids are leaving. They're changing their minds. They don't want to be there. They're running away when, when things get hard. And we could say it's all on the kids and we could say it's all on the parents, but there's a responsibility that coaches have in that process. There's a responsibility that, that we play. There's a role, there's a role that y'all play in all of that. And you have to be honest about that role that you play. 
And so being able to, being willing to tell a kid who's a five-star recruit, who is, who wants to come to your school, um, who would be a game changer for your program, but they're just not a good fit personally. They're just not a good fit. They're going to mess up the chemistry. Being able to say no and face your administrator, face their parents, face social media. If you're going to be a servant leader, how big of a disservice would you do a kid bringing them into your program when you know emotionally, academically, all of those things, they're not going to make it. They're not a good fit, but their skill set could possibly be what you need. It could be a game changer for you. You're doing that kid a disservice. You're absolutely, you're doing the kid a disservice. You're doing your program a disservice. You're doing your coaching staff a disservice. Because if they're going to come in and be a disruptor, now you're asking for a headache that you didn't have to have. What is the best way that you can serve that kid? This is not a good fit for you, but I can help you find a place where you'll probably be a better fit. Or help them see some things about themselves that they may not, they may not know. They may not know they have a bad attitude because nobody's had the guts to tell them. You may be the first person to tell them, look, your attitude sucks. Or your character is whack. Like, you're not a good teammate. Like, you're not a good, you're just not being a good person right now. You being willing to be that person that stand up and tell them that, have the hard conversations, that is serving. That is serving. It may not seem like it, but that is absolutely serving. So in my, in my, I guess in my, um, in my closing, you have to have, you have to really have the heart for what it is that you've been called to do. Bump passion, bump all of that other stuff. Oh, I just love the game. Great. You really have to have a heart for this job and for the call that comes with this job. So as you, you know, as you prepare to, to get back into, into work, as you prepare to get back into you know, go back to life and go back to schools and things like that. I would challenge you to really like seek your heart. What is your heart posture towards the work that you do? I stepped away because I, my heart wasn't there. I wasn't willing to deal with the other stuff that came along with it. I wasn't willing to sit back and not say anything. I wasn't willing to compromise. I was not, I just wasn't going to do it. And so me being able to look myself in the mirror every day was far more important. Me being able to look my twins in the eyes every day and be, you know, and feel good about the person that they're looking at, feel good about the person I'm looking at staring in the mirror. That was far more important to me than the paycheck. That was far more important to me than the position. That was far more important to me than the platform. And if you're not, if you're not willing to, um, if you're not doing it for the right reasons, you're going to do more harm than good to the kids that you're coaching, to the people that you're working with. It's just like being in a relationship that you know, he's no good for you and she ain't no good for you, but y'all just hang on because that's what you know. It's familiar. And you're afraid, you, you know this, you don't know what's on the other side of letting go. And so you put yourself in a situation where emotionally y'all causing all kinds of emotional damage and all this kind of stuff. And then you look up 10 years, you're real mad because you've wasted so much time. It's no different. It's no different in being in, in this space of coaching. And if your heart is in the right place, 
and you know that you're here, um, you're in there to do a job, you're there to do, to do an assignment, be intentional about that assignment. Be intentional about being a person of good character and modeling that. You can't ask kids to do something that you're not doing yourself. You can't tell them to be, be a leader. You can't tell them to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And as soon as you click off Facebook or as soon as you click off social media, because you've been on there praising the Lord and you know all this other stuff, but as soon as you click off you somebody else, you can't expect them to, to do anything other than what they see you do. And they're watching. They are absolutely, they are absolutely watching. Be intentional about the relationships that you're building. Don't just look about, don't just connect with people because they're at a power five school and that's where you want to be. Don't just connect with people because, oh, this person knows this person. So I'm going to connect with her or him because they can put me with him or her. No, seek to add value first. How can I help you? How can I help you become better? What book you need? You know, what conversations do we need to have? Do I need to challenge you on some things? You know, seek to sharpen your skill set outside of the sport that you, you coach. If you're a basketball coach, go to football practice. Go sit in on some of their meetings. See how they, you know, how they start and organize their meetings and how, you know, the head coach delegates assignments or like look and see that if you're a football coach, go to tennis practice or, or, or baseball practice or, or basketball practice. Like see how, how other sports are coaching their kids or go to, you know, go sit in on a board meeting somewhere. Like see how they're running businesses. Go to a, a um, go to a, um, like, I don't know, like an accounting firm. You don't know how to manage a budget or you're, you're struggling to manage a budget. Go talk to a CPA. Look, help me. Cause we keep my two plus two is seven. I'm struggling. Like, and don't be afraid to ask for help. I think I've, I've talked to so many coaches who um, they won't allow themselves to be vulnerable and say, look, I just don't know. It's okay for you to take your cape off and, and ask somebody else to hold it because you need help. You don't have to be everything to everybody. Like you don't have to be Superman all the time or Superwoman all the time. <laughs> like you just don't then it's okay to allow yourself to be vulnerable to say, I need help. Because you can't, again, you can't tell your kids, come to me and tell me if you need help, if you're not willing to do the same. Be willing to say, yo, I messed up. I just so messed up. I look, And I'm not talking about just in game situations. Oh, because it's easy to be like, oh, that's on me. You know, I lost this game for, for us. I No. Like when you went off on a kid and you shouldn't have, look, my bad. I, I shouldn't have done it. I handled that way, way, way wrong. Way wrong. Be, be willing to, and let them see you say, I'm sorry. Let them see you apologize. It's okay. That doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you anything other than a whole real person that's having a real life experience. So that's it for me. Um, if y'all got any questions, I'm open. Yep. So we'll open the floor now uh, for questions. Again, I typically save my tidbits to the end, but uh, we'll open the floor now so you can unmute yourself if you have any questions or any feedback. 
Hey, Mr. Londo, this is our coach Willis Simmons, uh, head football coach at Florida A&M. So I'm one of those football coaches that uh, you're talking about. Um, I'm not going to go to a baseball practice. They're way too <laughs> laid back for me. First <laughs> foremost. I, I've been to a few. I played baseball. They, they just they just chill and just hit balls all day. But uh, Well, you get the gist of what I mean. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but Coach, that, that's, you said so many amazing things that I needed. Um, I, I feel like this talk was specifically for me. Um, Cause I'm, I'm just, I'm dealing with a lot of personal things, being a head coach. Um, and for all of you who are assistants who aspire to be head coaches, one thing that she said, the, the depth of take the, the heart is you're going to lose a bunch of friends when you become, mm-hmm. well, people that you think are friends. You're going to lose a lot of those when you become a head coach. Yeah. Um, because again, they've, they've already put themselves on your staffs unbeknownst to you. Yeah. And the moment, <laughs> the moment that you take that job, you don't hire them. Then you know you're the worst person in the world. Absolutely. Um, you know, so I, I have a lot of people now who see me in a totally different light. I've changed. I'm this different person simply because I didn't give them a job. No other reason other than I didn't give them a job. Um, but the, the whole part about empowering other people, um, that's something that really resonates with me because you know one thing that and you say know your strengths. One thing I think that I do have a gift or a strength of is developing young men. I think in mm-hmm. my coaching career, I think I've done a really good job of developing the guys that I've been entrusted with, you know, whether it be as a position coach, as a coordinator, and as a head coach. Um, one thing I, I, I find myself more and more trying to come to grips with is how do I now empower my coaches? You know, how do I develop them? Because that's, it's kind of that, you know, again, I hate to use the Jordan reference because I'm nowhere in state form, Michael Jordan, but you know, Jordan kind of, I think he got us a, a knock and we don't see as much of that in the documentary because they don't highlight the low points. They talk about the high points, but right. Jordan's thoughts was that he was a hard teammate because mm-hmm. I think he had an expectation of you as a player because of how his, well, of his work ethic. Same with Kobe Bryant. Right. You know, that's why I revere guys like that because they have a, a drive and it's like, if you don't have that drive, then no, I'm not hanging out Me with too. you. Don't. Yep. So I'm like that as a head coach. So I look at my assistants and say, okay, I know what type of drive I had when I was an assistant, like I had a go-getter mentality. My head coach never had to call me on the road to see if I was in the school recruiting. You know, mm-hmm. he called me at, eight, at eight, 8 o'clock. I'm already in my first school, coach. I'm, I'm walking out of my first school, matter of fact. I'm headed to school number two, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so now when I find myself, you know, with coaches who don't necessarily have that drive or, or maybe have those same type of, uh, I guess, self-motivating factors that I grew up with as an underachiever. I was a six-foot quarterback trying to make it as an African-American quarterback in a you know era that black quarterbacks didn't play. Mm-hmm. I struggle with that now. You know what I mean? Just okay. so how do I develop grown men? Like I, I think I'm a, I can develop a guy in and you put me anywhere. I can develop a young man because I think right. I can build a relationship with them. I can make them want to be better. But men who say I want to be a head coach one day, or I want to be a coordinator one day. And I'm looking like, well, but you're the last one in the office. You're the first one to leave, but you're saying you want to be a head coach. And so that's kind of where my struggle is today as a leader of just trying to see how I transition that from developing the players to now developing the guys under me, because that's just something I think, I, uh, you know, if you say look at your weaknesses, I think that's one mm-hmm. of my quote unquote weaknesses. I don't, I don't produce head coaches from my coaching tree. I produce right. a lot of great young men, but not necessarily mm-hmm. coaches. So that's something that really hit hard on me today. Well, thank you so much for being honest and for being um, for being transparent. Because I know, as a head coach, that's a hard. Sometimes it's hard, um, hard to say out loud where other people can hear you. So, um, uh, but what I would what I would say to you is number when you're hiring, you have to you have to assess and evaluate the people that you're bringing onto your staff. People are when I okay. So 
when you're hiring somebody, they're not going to tell you, oh, I, I'm, I'm lazy. I want to be the last one in the office. and I want to be the first one to leave. They're not going to say that. They're going to say everything that they need to say. They're going to hit all the boxes. I'm a hard worker. I know this player. I know this. I'm connected to this program. This program. They're going to say whatever. They're going to sell themselves. So what you have to do as a head coach, and it takes, it takes more time. It takes more uh, intention. You have to evaluate these people. You have to really get to know them. Um, if you do any kind of, um, I guess, like behavior or any kind of assessments like that, incorporate that into your evaluation process and really asking them and being honest, telling them to be honest about what it is that they want to do. So if you know that you only want to, you want people on your staff who are like you, who aspire to be head coaches because, because you know what that looks like. You know what that work ethic looks like. You know what that commitment looks like because you were once in that seat. And when it doesn't look like that, regardless of what they say, now you know that can't be what you want. That's not what you want because what you're saying and what you're doing, that's not congruent. And so now hiring is guessing, firing is knowing. So now that you know that you want certain types of people on your staff, when you're evaluating, when you're evaluating uh, coaches, you have to really get in, like really go deeply into why are you doing this and what are your goals? Like, what are you trying to, what are you trying to achieve? But you have to spend some time, just like you're recruiting these players, you got to spend some time and really get to know and see who it is that you're bringing on your staff, whether that's, um, whether that's going out and, and watching them coach um, you know, without them knowing that you're there, if they're coming from a, a high school or, or another school, getting permission, I don't know how y'all do it in football, but getting permission to go and kind of watch them interact with players, um, just, and seeing, like, really, do they say they, they want this? Really talking to, if you're hiring a, a, an assistant coach, talking to the head coach, not just talking to the head coach that where he left the school or where he's doing well, if he got fired, ask. You know, like ask, and I, I would hope that they would be they would be honest. And then you got to use some intuition at at this point. I know as 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 head coaches and as football, y'all have so it's like a thousand moving parts. And to for you to take time to put to invest that much time into getting to know a potential coach, that's going to take you away from other things. But it's got to be worth it because I can sit here and see the frustration. You know, it, this is too important of a piece um, because it's going to affect everything else. When you talk about, oh, I'm a developer of young men. Well, you can't develop young men if you got to babysit grown. That's going to be hard for you to do. So I would say incorporate some type of, um, some type of, of, of system where you evaluate and you assess the coaches that you're going to hire and really take the time to get to know who they are. Because whoever they are um, outside of outside of coaching, like they just lazy with you. That that it's not just reserved for 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 coaching. It's other aspects of their life. Like if you are a player, you play like how you are. Like your personality is is reflected in your style of play. Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan, how he is on the court and off the court. It's not you know, I can't be someone this way when I'm coaching and then somebody else outside of it. It's hard to hide who you are. So I would say definitely evaluate, take more time, put more effort, put a system in place for evaluating the coaches and really get clear about what kind of, um, what kind of, what kind of person, you know, what kind of coach, what are the characteristics that you want? Do you only want assistant coaches who aspire to be head coaches or who have had 
head coaching experience because they understand your pain. They understand what's needed. They understand your frustration. So like get clear. And it's okay if you say, I only want coaches who have coached, have been a head coach at the high school level or who have coached um, this position for these many years. It's okay too to give people a chance who have never had those opportunities. It, that was my, you know, that was my way in. Somebody gave me an opportunity who didn't know me, but I wanted it and I, I proved myself. But for you, you have to get clear on who do I want on my staff? What kind of, what kind of person do I want on my staff? What does that work ethic look like? What does, what does commitment and loyalty and work ethic, what do all of those things look like to you? And if they don't exhibit those things, regardless of how talented they may be, you're going to have to scratch them off the list. That's just my opinion. <laughs> no, no, thank you. Thank you very much. Willie, you know, coming from dealing with Coach Cutcliffe, you know, and I think probably one of the things about him, he was one of the best I've ever been around um, at coaching coaches. And the thing I'd say about him, you know, being with him basically – about oh, 14 years of my entire career, you know, it became a situation where you were always uncomfortable being comfortable around here. Mm -hmm. And that's not being sad coming to work. That's not being, you know, not disliked. But you knew that he was such a perfectionist, such an attention to detail person. And he created that climate, that environment. And what he always was, well, is what I would say, even as we became, and we've had guys, as you know, prominent NFL guys, he was always the leader. And what mm -hmm. I'd say by that is he never came into a situation to where he allowed, because we were so good at something, that he didn't try to make us become better. And I think as an assistant on his staff, I learned a lot about how you need to be in that position. You know, and it wasn't him coming in, you know, being a butthole about everything. But what he would do, I think he would always look around the room and look at every situation and he'd say, okay, this is where we are. How can we get better? And even as a young coach with him, I can remember times of him having conversations with me about, you know, how you carry and conduct yourself, you know, how you dress, how you walk. And he talked to us about certain things. I can remember before I left the staff just recently, he said something to the effect of, you know, he's like, you know, it's amazing how when I go to these conventions, so many people will come up to you and talk bad about the job that they have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that taught me something right there because I had never thought about that. He was like, you know, I do these 35 under 30s, and he's like, all these guys stand in line to talk to me. And he's like, the vast majority of them try to tell me about how bad the job is they got, you know. And he's like, why would I hire a guy that's going to go out and complain about working for me? So even at 45 years of age, going into a professional realm myself, that's something I learned from him after being with him all those times. So I think in the situation that you're in, you have to make those guys admit to you what they want. And mm -hmm. once I put something on paper that I, okay, I'm just content being an assistant coach. Now you got to be the best assistant possible. Now you look at each one of those guys, and when you see them falling short, don't be afraid to pull them aside. Don't be afraid to call them in the office. Because what he also did, Coach, is he was such a perfectionist at promoting people from within he made all of those young people compete with one another. So he made them better because you knew that if you did do what you were supposed to do, there was going to be a reward for you within that. You know, he's not, I'm not going to make a phone call for you if 
you don't give me everything on my staff. And he let us know those type of things. So like I said, you came to the office every single day uncomfortable about being comfortable. Hmm. That's good. We have anybody else? Okay, so my take. Not on you, Willie. I'm sorry. (laughs) I think they got you covered, buddy. (laughs) Um, But uh, for me, one of the biggest things that stood out about what you said, you said deficiencies don't make uh, make you any less of a leader. Understanding your deficiencies are what makes you great. And I think that one of the biggest things, you know, on my staff, I'm actually the youngest person and I'm the head coach. And I did that on purpose because I've always learned that you, you're never to plateau on your knowledge. Mm-hmm. And every person that's on my staff have been a head coach at other different programs in their own right. And so my take, and I came to them humbly letting them know that I've watched you. And I mean, mm-hmm. some of them 10 and 15 years, my senior I watched you and I know that you're towards the end of your career and now you're just really about, you know, just kind of molding and making young ladies. How about you come help me? So while you're molding the next generation, you're also helping me, you know, I guess as we call the median, right? Mm -hmm. And that has helped in such a way because they do, they call me out and they'll say, Mm -hmm. you said X, Y, Z. So what about this? And, and, and when you learn to humble yourself to, a, admit what you don't know, um, that's when the world of knowledge just gets handed to you. And mm-hmm. when you call that out, I think that's amazing. And then one of the other things you said about not being in servant leadership, not being afraid to hold people accountable. That was one of the things that I had to learn early on, because now you're talking about, I've been in that position that God be going on six years now. Um, but in the beginning, it was hard because for the same way that I reached out and got these people who were 10, 15 years my senior in this coaching game, there were some things I also knew as, quote, unquote, the baby of the bunch. And I was saying, mm-hmm. But I wasn't afraid to challenge that. And what you find is when you challenge it, I, I remember on Twitter, it's maybe about a month ago when there was a, I forget which program it was, but it was the head coach and assistant coaches and they were jawing at each other on the bench, right? And so people were, was like, let's dialogue. What do you think of this? And I never put my opinions kind of out on social media, but for me, granted, I didn't like that it was out in the open, but I loved it because just as you said, you can't have yes men just floating around you. You have to have that are willing to challenge you and that are just as competitive about the game. So that's my take. That's what I saw. And what I found is when I challenged these people, even at first when I was intimidated because I felt like, wow, these are people in their career who have been successful. Well, maybe they are right. But when I understood and started holding them accountable and challenging their opinion, that's when we started seeing growth in our program. That's when I started seeing growth as a head coach. So I thank you so much for pointing those things out because sometimes it's not easy. A lot of the times it's not easy for us to sit in a room and sometimes we're like, mm, I don't think that's right. Mm-hmm. But to stand up and actually say that, I think that that's when growth, I think that that's when success and advancement um, comes to pass. So I just thank you so much for everything you said. And I mean, it was right on time. Um, I think one of the beautiful things about this format is that every speaker is different. So actually, Sherrod's on, you asked, you said, I don't remember who spoke. Sherrod's actually on this call today. Oh, that's uh, him that was yeah. exegeting the text. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, it was you, good. You both are, uh, I mean, amazing. And, and, and just the nuggets that you all, I always sit here from my take, you know, I'm listening and I'm doing different things. And I'm also trying to write things down as well. And 
you, you just have so many things out here that have brought clarity to me too. I mean, Willie was like, it's like, you just talking to him, you know, she was talking to me too. Um, in a lot of facets. So I just thank you so much. Um, and at this juncture, if no one else has anything to say, I'm going to give you a chance to say anything final that you want to say. And I'll, um, you know, say a prayer and close this out for today. Well, I just appreciate you all um, allowing me again to be here and to just uh, be here in the way that, and to show up in the way that I know to show up. Um, I just appreciate all of the different um, perspectives, perspectives. And I just also believe that we can learn from each other. We can learn from everybody, regardless of your experience level, regardless of what level you coach on. I just think that we need to do a better job as coaches of embracing one another and respecting the values and, the, and what we all bring to the table. Like I said, again, regardless of the, um, regardless of the experience level and to stay connected. I, I, I think that that's the biggest, uh, that's the, the thing that I think hurts me when I see, especially, um, you know, coaches in this, in basketball, especially just, we don't, we don't stay connected. I was going to say women. Then I started not say, but not only say women, like we just don't, we're not as supportive of each other as we should be. I don't know how it is for you black men. Cause I ain't never been a black man coach, black male coach. So I don't know. Um, but like just staying connected and being willing and open when somebody calls you like don't do them be like oh if you need anything call me and then when I call you you don't answer no like I'm, I'm coming to you be open and don't be afraid to pick up the phone y'all can call me you can hit me up DJ knows me um Chelsea you know you you hit me up I'm like look how can I how can I help like let's not hoard our knowledge like it's not for us anyway like it's not like God doesn't give us these things for us to sit on them he doesn't give you the gifts and the talents and all this stuff for you to sit on them. It's for you to invest so that you can see that gift multiplied in somebody else. So you can see that knowledge taken. You may get it, get something at, um, at level A, and then you impart your level A into somebody else, and now they can take it to level D. And then they can give that level D to somebody else, and now they can take it even further. And you still, like, you're, you're still giving and you're still serving. So don't be stingy with your knowledge, man. Like, and when people call you, answer the phone. Like, be willing to be willing to talk to them. You don't know who you're talking to. You don't know that person may be an administrator in the next two or three years and have to go. You have to come to them for, for a job. Like, you just don't know. So make sure that you you are open and that you are. You know, if if people come to you, be willing to share. You know, be willing to share. Don't hoard your knowledge and just stay as connected as as you can. I think. Um, the job that you do is, is very, it's absolutely necessary and so impactful and it's so important that you def definitely have to be intentional about not just growing your players, but growing yourselves and each other. So I just thank you. Um, and I'm here. Y'all can inbox me, hit me up. Um, I